Hey friends, and welcome to the podcast. On this episode, Charlene Riccani from Booked and Balanced stops by to talk about cannabis and specifically 280E. My guest today, my dear friend, Charlene Riccani from Booked and Balanced. And today, Charlene, we are talking about the cannabis industry. And quite honestly, my favorite thing in the industry to talk about because it is the number one thing that people get tripped up on as they enter in. And it's the dreaded 280E. 280E. <laughs> so real quickly, Charlene, if, if people don't know what this is, can you kind of give me a high level you know, elevator pitch on what 280 is in the cannabis industry compared to, let's say, opening an ice cream store in your neighborhood, you know, ice cream store space. So if you open up an ice cream store in an ice cream store space in your neighborhood, (laughs) (laughs) you are able to deduct all necessary and reasonable expenses that it costs you to run your business, anything, payroll, rent, utilities, travel, Um, mileage, whatever it is that you need to run your business, you're able to deduct it. But for the cannabis industry, that's not the case because it is federally illegal. So 280E came out and they are limiting the amount of expenses that a business in the cannabis space can deduct. You're only allowed to deduct the cost of good sold, meaning what did it cost you to get the item to sell the item? So you can't deduct the salespeople's payroll. You can't deduct rent unless you are a a grow facility or a processor. So if you're a dispensary, you can't deduct rent because you're not creating and processing and um, growing the product there. You're only selling it. The grow, the processor, and the dispensary each have their own version of costs of goods. It's a big mess. And you really need to dig down and decide which one you're going to do and which one you're comfortable because um, it's a gray area. It depends on the CPA, what they can risk putting on the tax return at the cost of good for you. Give me some some perspective on this. So let's say I own that ice cream store and I own a dispensary. What can you know, how much more profit am I taking home because of these deductions in a retail location doing ice cream that I wouldn't see in my first year or maybe ever as a dispensary? Like what's the disparity there? Right now, it's looking like it's going to be a long time that this is going to stay. Biden just doubled down on this 280E. So you're paying almost 60% higher taxes versus an ice cream parlor because you're able to deduct all of your expenses. You're sitting at, you're able to deduct about 40% of your expenses in a marijuana industry and the rest of it is tax. All of it is tax for the IRS for the states, California and Michigan, I know offhand, you're allowed to deduct everything. So 280 only applies federally. For California and Michigan and all of the other states that have opted in, they don't recognize 280E. So it's a little different federal and state taxes. So the ice cream parlor can deduct everything federal and statewide. The cannabis guy can deduct only cost of goods federal and everything else on the state. Which would lead me to uh, think that I would need a incredible CPA like yourself to navigate through this gray area. And so once again, we're at this this crossroads, Charlene, where you might be the first call 
before you even plan on which direction to go, right? Because you just said a grow facility and a dispensary are different. Now, yeah. what happens if I have them all in one place? It's great. You want to be vertically integrated and it's great that you have them all in one place. You separate the entities. You don't have the same entity so that you can um, run each business separately and you have different costs of goods. The smartest thing to do is have multiple entities so that you can deduct more items on your tax return. For example, I spoke with the CPA from out of state and he gave me some great tax advice for my clients. He said, separate your accessory line and your marijuana line. So if you have an accessories business and a marijuana business, separate them so that you can deduct the payroll for the accessories. For the accessories, line. got and it. Keep the, keep the employees strictly selling accessories and then keep your other employees strictly selling marijuana so that you have two separate entities. One is non-marijuana, one is marijuana based. Now in the entire time that you've been a CPA, is there any other industry where this sort of collaboration happens? Because it feels like in the cannabis industry, there's a lot of what you just said, where I called this CPA from this state to kind of figure this out because there's so many moving parts that even someone who is in accounting as you are, it's helpful to have other people to look at the problem and go, oh, here's what we did. What do you think about this? Have, is there another industry where that sort of stuff happens or is this unique to cannabis? This is unique to cannabis because, and I tell everyone, I might not have done accounting for, you know, soft, uh, software as a service or, you know, um, ice cream parlors, but accounting is accounting is accounting, tax is tax is tax. There's a set of rules, which I, I happen to have right here. <laughs> this great, phenomenal federal income tax code and regulations is standard. I can open it up and say, okay, can a supermodel deduct her cost of her getting her nails done? She can because it's a cost of good. But for the marijuana industry, there's so many moving parts. There's so much gray area. There's some CPAs that say, yeah, this is a cost of good. I'm comfortable putting this as a cost of good. And then there's a more conservative CPA that says, no, you're only allowed to deduct what you purchase. So I have two CPAs, the angel and the devil. I contact both of them and I say, am I allowed to deduct the, the employee that rolls the product and gets it ready for sale. The devil says, yes, you can. And the angel CPA says, no, you can't. And that's when you call the IRS. There's a division. That's where you call them and you ask them. And they don't really tell you yes or no, but they kind of say, well, you know, I've seen it. Or I haven't seen it or good luck, <laughs> you know? So it, it really just depends on the CPA. If I'm thinking about getting involved in this industry, what sort of human beings should I be looking for? Like, how do I find a CPA who has done this sort of stuff, aside from obviously reaching out to Booked and Balanced, but let's say I'm not in your area and I need somebody who knows this stuff. Is there a network? Like, how do I go about finding a CPA who either understands this space or knows who to call to understand this space? Honestly, right now, I think your best bet is to call the MRA the marijuana regulatory agency in Michigan. And I feel like that they have a group of CPAs that they are working with right now. They're working with CPAs and they're doing some um, auditing tests and getting some feedback from CPAs. There's also groups, there's attorneys that actually reach out to us CPAs and say, you know, I have a, a guy that's trying to get his pre-qualification and he needs a CPA. You find the marijuana attorney group. I actually don't know the 
the correct name, but usually I get referrals from attorneys. Usually you start with your attorney. You need your attorney to get the paperwork started and the attorneys find the CPA or the banks. A lot of times um, the bank that I work with, a lot of my clients go to, they'll call me and say, you know, I have someone that wants to open up a bank account. He hasn't started anything. He doesn't even have uh, a name yet. He just wants to start growing or, you know, getting sure. a discovery. they call me. And so what, what got you into this industry, Charlene, you know, cause you and I have spoken about the SaaS industry. We've spoken about, uh, as you said a couple minutes ago, accounting is accounting is accounting. We've, we've done those conversations, but what was your entry into the cannabis space? Because this is my favorite question to ask lawyers and accountants, because it's always some sort of interesting story that lands you in front of me to talk about the cannabis industry. I said, absolutely not. Never. I will never work in this space. I'm not going to lose my license. I was so scared. I'm in the same office as the MICPA, and I didn't want that to be what I was known for. I was like, no, I'm going to stick with real estate accounting. I had a CPA friend of mine that said, let me teach you everything about marijuana accounting. And I kept saying, no, no, no. And then I called the MICPA and I said, am I going to go to jail if I do their accounting? <laughs> and they said, you're not going to go to jail if you do their accounting. And everyone I know, and, and people that shocked me were getting into the industry. See, I have doctors, I have lawyers, um, I have other accountants. I have, I have these professionals getting into this industry when in my head, I just thought it was going to be super messy business. It's absolutely not. 99% of the people that I meet, they're not all my clients, are um, straight-laced, by-the-book professionals that wanna do this right. And so when I started meeting them and talking with them, I said, you know what, this is a great industry. Everyone is super cool. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to work with these amazing people. They're all open-minded. It's, it's a lot of fun. Some, you know, they, they, they're just, everyone's happy and nice and I love it. And it's just easy. And I, you know, I fell in love with the people and then I fell in love with the work. I fell in love with learning all of the new rules and teaching my clients love to teach. I've told you that before. And so I'm learning all these rules and this 280E stuff and, and reading all these books and I'm teaching them and it feels great. So we're all learning together. And it really and feels, it really feels Charlene, like the state of Michigan is becoming the gold standard in this industry of how you roll out a state in order to make it legal. Yeah. Yeah. The MRA is doing a great job. Um, Michigan is doing a great job. People are coming here from their states where it is legal and doing it here. We're, we're, we are so much more organized than a lot of other states. And I, I really am glad that I'm here because I, I know that I have a client from California that loves it here more than he does in California because we're just a much more organized state. And you're not the first person to say that to me. And every time I hear that sentence, it blows my mind. I mean, if you were to write down five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that Michigan would be more dialed in on how to roll out legal marijuana than California was, I don't think anyone would have taken that bet. I completely agree. I am shocked and I'm proud and I'm happy um, that we are. But also it's important to note that not every attorney and not every CPA understands this right now in Michigan. We're doing a great job, but you can't just go to any lawyer or any CPA. Because if you don't get your accounting correct for 
uh, this industry, you get audited every year. You do uh, these procedures that the MRA requires. Yep. If you don't do this correctly, you can be in front of the board. You can lose your uh, license to sell or grow. You can get uh, fined. It's super, super, super important to go to the right CPA and the right attorney for this. And since I'm speaking to the right CPA, if people want to reach out to you, you uh, how how do they do that, Charlene? Um, you know, honestly, like I said before, I love uh, text messages or emails. Um, they can call me. They can email me. They can go to my website and chat with me. I'm on TikTok now. Um, I have an Instagram. I'm kind of all over the place right now. So there's multiple ways they can find me, but I prefer a text or a call. Charlene Riccani from Booked and Balanced. As always, my friend, an absolute pleasure. Have a wonderful week. Thank you.